Alrighty, guys. On this episode of the podcast, I sit down with Dr. Sean Pastuch from Active Life RX. Sean and his company are best known for their work with coaches and individuals, getting people to move better and without moving in pain. However, we don't talk about that. We're talking about social media, content creation, you know, how to go ahead and create virality with your post, how to dress up your Instagram gallery, you know, making posts that are controversial and how to handle that. This was a topic, I mean, I really, really enjoyed jamming with Sean on this. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Take a listen. Alrighty, guys, what is up? It's Stu. It is What the Fuck Gym Talk, and I have Dr. Sean Pastuch. I like my uh, my wife was asking what I was doing earlier today. I was I'm like, I'm talking and interviewing Dr. Pastuche. I put an A at the end of yours to make it sound like I was talking like to someone crazy fancy. Not that you're not crazy fancy, but um, anyway, Sean Pastuch. He is with, you know him probably best through the Active Life RX. Again, you can close your eyes and see the black background, blue and white lettering, just the fun, like my, some of my favorite little one-liners and zingers and corpse that just punch you in the face with good, very good advice. But it's one of, a lot of those, like what I, like those woke as fuck moments where people are like, oh, fuck, he's right. Shit. <laughs> Damn it. And, um, there you go no, I was just saying, like, I just, I draw, I draw so much inspiration from your stuff from when I make my little ones liners and zingers. I'm always just like, like, what is Sean doing? So anyway, that's where most people in, that would probably recognize you from. He's uh, Sean was an affiliate owner. I had the pleasure of being on Sean's podcast back in like early 2017, I think, or late 2017. And I asked Sean to get on this with me today and we made that happen. And um, even though the first time I had to cancel on this because I'm a fucking shit bag. Um, but anyway, Sean, thank you so much for being on. No problem. And you didn't cancel. You just forgot to push the record button. Was that it? Yeah, it was, it was something. Yeah, I, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I fucked that. Regardless, I'm still a shitbag. At the end of it, I just fucked something up. It was my fault. Um, and, and, anyway, and, I'm glad we got you on now. No problem. And it's funny, you, you talk about the posts at night that are like the one-line zingers, because you do it extremely well also. And I was explaining to somebody earlier today, the thing about posts like that is the reason why you resonate with people, the reason why I believe I resonate with people is not because we're saying anything that's like, oh my God, that's crazy. Where did he think of that? It's that we're saying the things that everybody else wishes they had the balls to say out loud. Sure, 100%. So, so 100%. then you become the champion for them, that's all. Yeah, and, and again, and with that, you gotta accept that you take, a, like you take a certain amount, like whenever one of those posts go up, like I, this is kind of my thought, like when I put up the barbell, great for fitness, bad for business, change my mind. When I put that out there, I know that some dude somewhere, I just personally attacked him, like I called his mom a whore, and he is literally <laughs> gearing up in the comments to just crush my soul. And I'm like, okay, like I accept that there's gonna be some heat for that. However, the best thing, I, I, like I do, I think, arguments and debate is the best form of I don't really care whether people come to agreement I just think it's the best form of coming up with new solutions new answers new things I'm, I'm a huge fan of debate I love it yeah well, I mean you posted I think it was today that, that nothing happens if everybody agrees oh yeah that's, yeah yeah uh-huh yeah and it, it's the truth and and you know I'm, when I make a post about for example step-ups being a better way to build squat strength if you've been squatting forever and you sure. haven't done step-ups then maybe you should do some step-ups. And it's, we're, not, we're not saying that step-ups are better than squatting, but anybody who identifies as a squatter sees that and they're like, fuck you, bro, you don't know anything. Like, awesome. I'd argue that functional fitness, you're going to do more single leg movements than you are double leg movements in most of life. Like I just, my kid bending down to pick her up, lunge, drop my keys. Like a lot of things for the most part are probably going to be more better suited for single leg movements, like a reverse lunge or whatever it may be. Sure. And, 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 and 
that that wasn't even what we were, you know, yes. And that wasn't even the debate. It was just, hey, all these people did step ups and got these results. That was sure. all we put out there and people were yeah. like losing their minds. Yeah. If all you do is double leg exercises, some single leg exercises are probably going to prove to be fruitful for you and vice versa. If all you did was single leg and then you did some double leg, it would mm-hmm. again, but so, but yeah, that's fun. So let, let's talk about that. Like when you, I mean, like, I don't like, I never want to be viewed at as like, try to be like shock jock. Like I look when I grew, I grew up on Howard Stern. I'm not sure like up in New York, you guys had to as well. Like mm-hmm. you grow up on people that make a splash not trying to piss people off, but like you said, saying the things other people aren't talking about in a genre of something you know a lot about. And that's the only reason you probably feel comfortable making the statements you make and I feel comfortable making the ones I make because I feel that I could have a healthy debate with anybody and I'm not going to get my ass whooped. I'm going to be able to stand my own in a healthy debate so I can make the, I can make a statement that's not going to be popular because just because I say, you know, you don't like the way I say that the cock sucking sky is blue. It doesn't change the fact that it's blue at the end of the day, you <laughs> like the delivery of the style. Would you say that with the brand for Active Life RX, like why is it that yours is a little bit more like a, not, not a razz, but it's, not, it's unapologetic in its way of making you think about your movement health? Yeah, because that's how I had to learn. And, and because, because, you know, if, if I get on there and I'm like, look, what you're doing is probably pretty good. We just think that you can make it a little bit better by doing this. Someone just sees what you're doing is pretty good and swipes on by. If I can come out there, put a little bit of, you know, oomph into the hand. Put some heat on it. Yeah, put, put some it heat across on your it. Face, then you're like, now I have your attention. And maybe I can help you. Maybe I can't. But at least we've had the conversation. Yeah. It, I look at those posts on Instagram. So like when you look into like, uh, and I was talking with uh, my branding and marketing coach about this, like guys on YouTube live and die by the thumbnail. So a thumbnail on YouTube is how you get anybody to watch anything. Like the art of the thumbnail is something you could watch a four-hour video on YouTube on and how to make your thumbnail really stand out amongst the thousands of others. I hired a thumbnail designer. See, exactly. Like literally, like that's a template on Canva. Like that's something that people have looked at the science of and the, the psychology of people, what they click on. For you, it, like guys like you, me, or any of these gyms listening, you know, that's mainly my audience is studio and gym owner, micro gym owners the art of your Instagram post and things like that, having some kind of an attractive, you know, kind of gravitational pull because it doesn't sound, look, act, or speak like what's currently out there, the status quo. And, you know, you do it very simple. It is a template. It has big letters. The colors are very anti of each other. So they contrast really well, dark blue or, you know, bright blue, bright white on black. Like it's very simple um, design elements. And the message though, the one thing it's like, it's generally less than 12 words. It's always, a lot of times it's less than even seven. It's quick and to the point. Versus a gym owner, if I had them do their Instagram post, like, well, we are a gym with completely inclusive community and all of our members, a lot of them are firefighters that get to make it home to their wives and kids and our gym is amazing. And I would look at it and be like, we keep firefighters alive. Right. That would be the way I would dumb down that message to make it more palatable to someone in a thumb scroll. How much thought do you have that goes into that when you guys think about creating your message? And let's just use it specifically to the Instagram world. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I have, I have people who I coach in, in, I don't coach gyms the way that you coach gyms. I don't know how many people should be in the class, how many square feet per, per, like, do I know it? Sure. I owned an affiliate for seven years. Do I live, breathe and die by it? No. So I'm going to let you do stuff like that. What I do with gym owners and business owners is I talk to them about their messaging and the fact that you can't have a message unless if you have a vision 
And you can't have a vision unless if you know what problem you solve. And you can't solve a problem unless you know how to solve it, why you're fit to do it, and how you do it. Once you know all of those things, you know exactly who has it and how to talk to them. So when, when I put a post up like this, it's, it's meant to draw your attention right away and to sure. provoke thought. I can tell with the comment section who just read the big words on top and who read the caption below. Because it's, they'll, they'll comment things like, this is bullshit, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, the first line of the post says, you're going to say this is bullshit if you don't read it. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, I know you didn't read it. Um, but so I have clients of mine who I talk to and I'll be like, look, your Instagram is not getting attention because your colors aren't bold. Nothing stands out about it. And there's nobody's face in it. So if there's nobody's face, you need to have bold writing that says something that slaps me in the face and you don't. Yeah. So for those of you guys that when I, if I cut the, we get any video out of this, you'll be able to see, I've got up on my screen share. And if you guys are listening to this on the actual podcast, you'll just have to fucking close your eyes or pull your phone out while you're driving. That's probably just as safe. And, yeah. um, but anyway, I've got Sean's entire Instagram gallery up here. And again, while it has a very consistent, his gallery has a theme, right? His, his quotes, the black, white, what he was just talking about goes down the center. It looks appealing, which I'm a big fan of on Instagram, right? I realize to convert anyone on Instagram, and if you have under 10,000 followers, which 99.9% of the gyms do, you need to get them to your gallery page so they can get to the link because you can't get a swipe up unless you're paying for the ad. But I look at this and one of my favorite videos was uni banded pull-ups. Like I watched this one recently. This was my, talk to me about it. If anyone's not sure of it, go to his Instagram page, give him a follow while you're there and watch that video. And Sean, and I know you know that. What is the thought of banded pull-ups in the greater CrossFit community from a coaching perspective? Can I go back a step? A hundred percent. Okay. So what you were just talking about is the reason why if someone goes to the page right now, they can find you need banded pull-ups. We yeah. built a thumbnail for the Instagram post so that you would see exactly what it said. Because what we were finding is that while we're putting great content out, people weren't finding it. Because it was yep. just, it was a video of me talking and that no one it looked like all the other ones. Yep. Yeah. So I hate the way that my page looks with all of these words on it, but guess what? It's not for me. It's yep. for everybody else. Oh, so, 100%. so that video was made in a sequence of 14 videos that we made where I got tired of people looking for quick fixes. And I realized that I'm banging my head against the wall and saying, quick fixes don't work, quick fixes don't work, quick fixes don't work. And people yeah. would be like, yeah, cool, but do you have one? I'm like, fuck. So I said to my, my media guy, Sean Cleary, I'm like, look, we need to make a bunch of quick fix videos that are not quick fixes. So how do you get better at pull-ups in one day? Well, you start incorporating this for two years, right? But so yeah. this video, You Need More Banded Pull-Ups, is one of the ones that came up. And the reason why this works in a CrossFit gym, banded pull-ups works in a CrossFit gym, is because people forget that in order to build any kind of capacity, we have to start with a stamina base. So somebody gets on a pull-up bar, they get their first one, they get their second one, eventually they're doing 20 in a row. But the way that they got to one and two was by doing a million banded pull-ups. Yeah. Right? and accessory exercises and stuff like that. Once they get pull-up number one and pull-up number two, they don't think they ever need to do a pull-up lighter than their body weight again. I know, it's crazy. I still, to this day, will take a pink band, I will set it up, and I will go ahead and I will do a tempo of a three-second scap. I will do like a six-second to the top also, and I'll collect 50-plus of those a week 
Mm-hmm. Take just, just and, and people look at me and they're like, are you just trying to make like the other people feel better? They're doing bad. I'm like, no, I actually believe it's a valid training exercise thing. Like I've given, just, I've given banded pull-ups to Jacob Hepner, to Rich Froning, to Lindy Barber, to. Are those guys good at exercise? Yeah, they're all good. At I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know all the cool kids. I, I'm assuming those guys are good at exercise. Yeah, they're, they're all across, including <laughs> winners. Right. And yeah. so. When I first gave them to Jacob Hepner, he was like, dude, I'm pretty good at pull-ups. Like this, I don't need banded pull-ups. I can do like 70 in a row. I said, cool, get the fucking band and do what I wrote. And he sent me a video later in the day of him like hanging from the bands. He's like, this was the hardest thing ever. I said, yeah. So funny. So, but like, that is like when I, one of the things, you know, and I, I want to have you on for several reasons. One of them was just that, like, I just love your ability to make what you're saying, which again, the overall message is probably there's other guys we could, if we dug through the, the in YouTubes and the Instagrams and Facebooks, there's other people probably saying the same thing, but it's he who can get recognized, who can say it in a way like Glassman. Glassman wasn't the only one doing pull-ups. He wasn't the only one doing back squats. It wasn't the only one using the concept to rower. The way he put it together made sense to the masses. And that's one of the things I think you were phenomenally, phenomenally proficient at is, is make, taking what you want to say and getting it out there. When, at what point, let me ask you, because I run into this too, do you start not like, I would say my, or my, the social media strategy, the what the fuck gym talk has is probably one of the things I will keep in my pocket for a long time. Because I think that's the, one of the things that I, I, I have, like the concept of the video ideas and the, the design and all that. Would you ever, I heard you mention the gentleman, Cleary, do you ever hand it off or do you just handle, hand off the technician of it? Are you still in charge of the strategy and design and the, you know, the overall vision of what the, the video is going to be in the post? So I, it depends. The answer to that is it depends. So my general rule is speed. And that means that if it doesn't offend me, I'm not going to micromanage the guy who's professional at doing that. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to watch a video and be like, oh, there's this thing at like the five second mark that needs to, you know, different sure. angles. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, put the content together and get it to me. Get it out. Get it now, out. Yeah. Now, I've watched videos that we've made for a year and I was like, hey, dude, I never liked this fucking song. I still don't like this fucking song. Can we change the fucking song, please? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Here, you find the song. And when he does that, I'm like, I get it. Like there's, there's millions of songs for him to choose from. Which one is it going to be? And then I will, I want to be empathetic to the guy who's working for me. I want to make his life easier so he can produce as much content as possible. So I make a rule for myself. I'm going to look at 10 songs. The one I like best, I'm going to pick. I'm not going to go through a million of them. I'm going to click 10 songs. The one I like, I send back to him. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. Yeah. And, and outsource it. Would you, I mean, that's probably been, I think, in anyone trying to grow something outside, uh, like with their business, whatever it is, investment in media, I think is a really strong play. And I, and like, it, and I would rather see the investment in the content before even the investment in the ads. Oh, it has to be. That's number one. Yeah. I, I think you have to go organic first, especially oh. hyper-local. You and me are not hyper-local. We, we have clients everywhere, yes. everywhere. But as a micro gym, for anyone listening, you're talking literally about this four mile radius, if that hyper, hyper local and to what? be organically relevant, hyper local, way easier than like nationally and globally for like, once you go when you have no overhead, you have brick and mortar, you're on the internet now. Yep. Now you're, you know, you're global and it does, you know, your virality is so much harder than hyper local. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, when you're hyper-local, there's advantages to both, right? Like, I can, I can put an ad out to 10 million people, and if only 0.001% buy something, I'm winning. 100%. Where, where the, the local gym has a market of maybe 30,000, 40,000 people who live there, and only maybe 3,000 are their targets, and maybe only 1,000 are available, and maybe only 500 are going to see it, and maybe only 100 are going to click on it, and then maybe only... 20 are going to act on the lead and then maybe only five are going to end up on your phone and then you need to close them. So it's a much, it's a harder game in that respect. The difference though is storytelling is just as important in both places. I, and when you're global, which we are now, fortunately, you have to compete with everybody who wants to be global when you're local. If your message is really, really, really clear and you know what problem you solve, you don't compete with anybody. Yeah. When you're hyper-local though, I still think convenience wins against everything. Everyone's like community or this, hey, convenience. Trust me. I don't care how much they love you. If their kids changes schools and that school's on the other side of town now, and now they can't get to you for the 5.30 AM before their kids have to be in school, you're going away. Like convenience when you're hyper-local brick and mortar location is everything it's not about we're You and me are very accessible and online brands are convenient already is it, does it relate to me? And when you're global, it's harder to tell a story. Like, how do I get the yoga studio owner to listen to what the fuck gym talk or the guy in Singapore who's working out at someone's gym? Like now I got to get my fucking shit transcribed, right? Like my fucking, I've got to get rev.com and then fucking get it in multiple languages if I want to break into different barriers and things like that. So as you said, there's different, you know, different issues with both of them. But I, that, that's one of my things is looking at people like, why are you, why think about a thousand dollar ad spend on an ad from a six week challenge, whatever the fuck it is that you don't even like that you have admitted to me, you think it's gimmicky and ugly as fuck, but you're going to drop a thousand dollars in marketing for it instead of taking that thousand dollars and actually just making one or two pieces of really good, clean content that gives your branded message, do it somewhere locally in Charlotte or whatever city you're in where people would look like, fuck, that's my favorite ice cream store right there. I know that spot. And then, and, and go that route at it. I just, well, can, can I think I, there's a, yeah. There's two things I want to say to that. Um, and I want to make sure I don't forget them. The first one is I want to push back a little bit on the convenience thing. Because I, I'm with you when your local convenience is a part of the game. But if you lead with convenience, I, I was talking to a gym who I mentor two days ago. And I was like, if you really believe, I just started, this was, this was on my sales call with them. I'm like, if you really believe that people choose their CrossFit gym, based on location and price. Just hang a big fucking sign that says we're cheaper, we're CrossFit, and we're open. And, and anyone, who, anyone who drives by is gonna be like, oh, okay, I get it, I know what they are, I'm gonna come in. So I think that conven you know, convenience comes in many shapes and sizes. So it could be, yeah. Wait, we're we say, are we saying convenience or location? Okay. It's like location is one of those things that they're 100%, like if you're not, like again, hyper-local, but you're nine minutes away and everything else I do and like that nine minutes being in, for example, something that is a, uh, a three mile. Okay. If you're within three miles or three miles away in New York city, that is not convenient, nor is it even in my location. That is a 30, fucking 30 90 miles, minute. Correct. Same with the LA, you know, down or downtown Charlotte, not as bad, but getting close. And so are we talking convenience? Like the ease of my access to that location, or are we talking the actual location? Because I think location definitely comes down, to, it's definitely one of the things. Location is definitely one of the things, but it can be overcome if it's difficult to get to. It's, it's, and if it's unique. Yes, the further out that you get, the more difficult that becomes. But I've had people fly in from Finland to get appointments with me in person. Yes, 
Because so, why? There's no other Sean Pastuche right. in the world, period. And that, right. And that's the point, right? So if you own a gym in, let's just say, Charlotte, and you want to get somebody from, let's say, the town outside of Charlotte to come to your gym, you need to solve a problem in a way that nobody else is solving it, and then find the person who has it, and they'll come to you like a fly to a light. But you need to be solving that problem, and your media needs to represent that you solve that problem. Now, the second thing you were talking about is why don't people spend $1,000 on creating the media piece and putting that out there? And I think it's because they're confused between the difference of sales and marketing. And they think every dollar needs to go towards sales and marketing. They're not the same thing, right? Sales is, let me put something out there that you're going to see, click on, and then end up buying from me. That's a sales piece. Yeah, attract and convert. Yes. Marketing is every post that I put out at night that doesn't ask you to buy anything. That just says, hey, this is what we stand for. Get behind this brand. Be a tribe member. Evangelize with us. I don't give a shit if you buy. It's about you believing in what we say. Yeah. And, and that's that. I'm sorry about my co-host, the dog, if you can hear. In the back. <laughs> but that's like, that's marketing. And it's hard yeah. for people to understand, wait a minute. So I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on a piece that doesn't re- generate any revenue. I can't afford to do that. Well, Coca-Cola does it. Yeah. The biggest companies, and again, with these budgets that are just insane, and I understand why the gym owner doesn't, can't see relation when, when you and me give these examples of that. But the other thing goes into, and as you were saying, you know, but there's marketing and sales. Like I had a gym owner tell me, I suck at branding. I just, I, I need your help with branding. And I, we got on the call and I went through all of his posts, all these, everything he's ever put out there, his website, this, that. I even referenced how we cold called him and nobody answered the first four times. And finally someone answered the fifth. I'm like, all that is branding. Whatever you do consistently, good or bad, is branding. Just like a personality of a person. If I'm an asshole four out of five times, my brand is that Stu is an asshole. Mm-hmm. That's anything you do consistently is you are branding yourself, whether you're a business or a human being. And I think what exactly what, what Sean's just talking about is everything that you put out, if it, even if it's not like the consistent font and the color, like me and Sean are talking about this perfection level with your social media, but it has, it, it's consistently there and it's just consistently consistent. It just keeps coming out. It's not whenever you hear two guys on a podcast talk about social media, like, fuck, I should probably put something up today. It's actually consistent and it actually lends people in the direction of whatever it is, even if it doesn't have this amazingly clear over the top marketing strategy. And that is the attraction. And then the conversion is just, do you want to pay me for all that stuff I've been telling you about? Yes. So can I, can I lay out a really simple example for a gym owner? So your branding, maybe, maybe your logo isn't exactly what you want it to be. In time, you can change it. Nobody's coming to your company because your logo is great or because your logo is not. When, when you're ready for that, then you have a, a good problem to deal with. Um, if you have things that you believe to be true that other people do not, emphasize those. So for example, you're a CrossFit gym, 90 something percent of CrossFit gyms. I haven't done the research. I'm just doing this based on my anecdotal evidence of going from gym to gym to gym. The coaches don't wear a uniform. And when I say a uniform, I mean a shirt that's a certain color and shorts or pants that are a certain color. And the shirt is either tucked in or not. They don't wear a uniform. That's because they don't value the uniform. They don't value the propriety. If you do, Have your coaches wearing them every single day. If you see your coach not wearing one, send them home and you coach class in their place wearing the uniform and make that the thing that you guys do. And then market that story. Not that you sent the coach home, but hey, at CrossFit My Gym, all of our coaches wear a uniform because we believe professionalism 
is the most important thing in a world where everybody is unprofessional. That's marketing. That's branding. If you say, for example, we clean the floor better than any other gym cleans the floor. Well, first of all, you better be right. And second of all, every day at 11 a.m. when you guys clean the floor, put it in your Instagram story. Put the timestamp on the screen, 11 a.m. every day, your floor getting cleaned, and people will start to be like, oh, that's the gym that cleans the floor at 11 a.m. Yeah. And when they go to their gym and they do a burpee and they get dog hair in their mouth, they're going to be like, the gym on the block that cleans the floor every day at 11 probably doesn't have dog hair on it. It'll resonate. It'll resonate. There's a local micro gym that, uh, you know, the owner has been on this podcast and they, for a long time, they went, they, um, they don't use the barbell in their gym. And a lot of their content for a very long time was them talking about their stance, why they don't do barbell lifting, why they didn't do high volume Olympic weightlifting, why, why the barbell is not in any of their franchise locations, <laughs> like nine different cities. And a lot of that was there. But, and what is the, per, what is the purpose of that for someone who's like, I'm looking for fitness, but I don't want that CrossFit thing. The barbell scares me. Now there is an easy avenue with a fucking crumb trail of someone talking about, well, we don't do it. Here's some information why. And we, we, we don't do it. Here's some more information why. And someone can follow that. I, I see a lot of like gym owners. I'll get the message to content. I heard something. I started doing social media. Thank you. I'm looking at what Urban Movement's doing or this place or that place that you recommended to look at and check out my stuff. And I'll go look at it sometimes. And essentially, you could just tell they put in the Google motivational quote and slap it up there with the thing. It's like, the fuck does carpe diem <laughs> or like strong is the new skinny? What does that do for you? Why isn't it talk? Like, who's in that picture? Gym owner Johnny will be like, oh, that's Karen. Karen's been here uh, for three months. Sally referred her. I'm like, cool. Why isn't that post talking about Karen? Right. Like, well... I mean, like, listen, Karen's a fucking person. And if you were to tag Karen in it, instead of fucking not tagging anybody, her ecosystem might see it on Facebook via the algorithm. And then maybe Karen's friends are like, hey, Karen, you know, you got that TPS report or coworker asking for a TPS report. She said, by the way, I saw that photo of you uploaded on, from your gym the other day. You look great. Where is that you go? Like it could possibly start a conversation, but you wanted to go ahead and put, you know, kites fly highest against the wind or something fucking like that. It, I, I think it's just the social media thing. I look at it like what I do with, with what the fuck and what you do. Like it's not hard to do it with a brick and mortar. It's the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, here's the thing, right? People hear that and then they're like, wait a minute. You just told me that Sean's page is good because he's got quotes all over it. And now you're telling me I shouldn't put quotes up. Here's the difference. I'm not taking quotes from other people and just posting them for the sake of posting them. They're my, they're my quotes. They're what I believe. They're what our company stands for. And that's the story that we're telling. The caption underneath it is substantial. Now, the other thing, I I was in my barber shop last week or two weeks ago. And I kind of informally mentored my barber on his business. And I said to him, like, if you want to really be a businessman, you got to get these fucking signs off your wall. He's like, why? I said, well, that sign talks about like dream big. Like, what's the the next thing that you're going to do? Because I see a crack in your floor. I see foreign money taped to your mirror. I see empty coat hangers, like that where, where, where retail apparel should be. I see a very haphazard approach to a business here. That's not dreaming big. So unless if you believe it, unless if you live it, get that shit off of your wall. Yeah. And that's, that's your Instagram page. If you're posting stuff that says like, hey, um, you know, the airplanes take off against the wind. So if times are tough, remember that. 
dude, you just complained to me yesterday that you don't have time to do the things you want to do. Like live that. Yeah. I think it's also too, like, look, what is it you're selling? So like going to where, where Sean is talking about, it's like, you guys need, you know, him, the reason Sean throws up quotes and it, it works, or maybe I do, we, we are selling information, let's call it education and entertainment is essentially what we are selling, education, entertainment. A micro gym, those are elements of what you're selling, but that's not really, you are a brick and mortar. You are selling a location for people to come and, and have fitness. That's all you're really selling. A, lo- a brick and mortar location to have the fitness. That is what that message needs to be. So yes, that is why we don't want you guys to put up just quotes up there because it's not related to people who are having the fitness. Now, Sean also has, and I just watched it, an amazing fucking testimonial video of a woman who spent $4,000 on physical therapy and she wasn't able to unfuck herself. And now working with Sean and his team, she has now unfucked herself. And now there is a, there's this element to that too. And I think you'll see the guys that do it the best on social media don't just stick to one rhetoric. They're like, literally, there's, there are testimonials right? I'll show them screenshots of good shit. My clients have said to me, blah, blah, blah. There's maybe the quotes. There's a, it's a, it's a whole bunch of stuff, but gym owners back in the day, the laziness of the gym owner, it was post to Instagram and you hit the share to Facebook button. And then it just instantly gets shared to Facebook. Everything is a one-to-one, whatever's on the Instagram, they put on the Facebook. And then it went to, okay, well, stop doing that. Now I'm just going to copy and paste generic fucking motivational quotes. And now everyone, everyone's shit. CrossFit is just so incestual. Like a couple of gyms do something, and everyone else copies it, and then and it just always looks the same. Which is, I well, think we all wanted to get into the franchise industry, and so now everyone just messed up. We wanted to get into the franchise industry, and we we were like, oh, but you know, I can skip the hard work, the money of doing it. Because- yeah, yeah, I can, I can do the franchise, but for really, 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 really cheap. Right, and get none of the support and none of the yeah, because yeah. Because what happens is this, I, I was talking about this with my personal, my first personal training mentor when I worked at Equinox. He's on my podcast recently. And I'm like, there's, there's a story going on around you, you know, about you, Josh, that I want you to verify or deny. And it's when I was at the gym. So 14 years ago, people were talking about this. There's a story that you were running a gym and you left the gym, went home and through the window saw a trainer working with a shirt untucked. Through, with binoculars from your patio, which the is fuck the, is binoculars, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, so, and I'm like, I need you to tell me if that was true or not, because allegedly he called the front desk and said, "Hey, go tell so and so to tuck their shirt in yeah, while yeah. they're working at the gym." And he's like, uh, he starts laughing. He's like, "That is an absolutely true story." And I'm like, "Okay, you have to you have to give me more. Like, why why was it so important that trainer Johnny tuck his shirt in?" And he was like, "Well, here's the thing, Sean." If trainer Johnny doesn't tuck his shirt in and you're not at the gym that day, but he is, and there's somebody there who was thinking about training with you, but saw trainer Johnny with his shirt untucked, he associates trainers at that gym as unprofessional as, and maybe they don't even see it that way. Maybe they just see like, oh, his shirt's untucked, like no big deal, but they don't notice that he is intentional. They don't notice that his shirt is tucked in that he is doing what he's supposed to do. So your value drops. What happens in, and, and it made a lot of sense, right? So what happens in CrossFit is, I think CrossFit top HQ, I think they have a great message, generally speaking. If I had to like nitpick it, yeah, there's stuff I don't like, but generally speaking, I think their message is really good. The problem is people go get a fucking weekend workshop certification in time, they decide to open a gym because they like working out. They forget about the message. They run the gym the way that they want to run it. 
And now you're standing there with your shirt tucked in, your collar on your neck, perfectly ironed. You have your clipboard out, your program's done. And coach so-and-so comes strolling in, smelling like beer from the night before, scraggly beard, hat on backwards, walking his dog into the gym, no program, no plan, shirt untucked, and you're associated with him. First impression, I mean, again, visual impressions are everything. I like people, you know, I talk a lot about this and I've, you know, with what we did with our movement, that was probably one of the pinnacle things that we really went to is everything was, what was the visual impression? And it's not to be very surface level or shallow, but you cannot argue that first impressions are everything. They are literally, we were just talking about thumbnails a second ago, like, and how important that is to even get someone to watch your fucking video. First impressions are everything. And like to not nitpick, like right now, the front mat at Urban Movement right now, if I think about it, like I'll get angry. The front mat at Urban Movement is trying to like tear away at the bottom. It needs to get thrown away. We need to replace it. And as I, as I literally say this right now, I, I'm just starting to like get angry or thinking about that because that's a bad first impression in my opinion. And I, I really think it's the guys that realize that the details aren't just the details. The details are fucking everything. Yeah, well. Everything. You know, here's the thing. Anyone who says you can't judge a book by its cover – Books do get judged by their cover. Yeah. That's why they're a book cover design. That's all I do. Yeah, yeah. I judge all books by the cover. <laughs> but, so, but so, like, I get it. You don't want it to be that way. It is that way. Yeah. So be the, you know, be the example of what people want to see. I had someone earlier today who sent me a message. Um, I'm helping them build up their school to teach personal trainers how to be personal trainers. They have a six-month a six curriculum. It's really, really cool. And they're like, you know, what – what do you think a professional trainer needs to know before they can be released into the world? And I was like, they need a robust education on literally how to groom their facial hair, how to cut their head hair, how to wear their clothes, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable as far as what their apparel looks like when they show up at the gym, how to get their mind right before they even talk to somebody during the day, how far ahead of the session to get to the gym, what setup looks like, what mental recovery looks like after a session. This is stuff that nobody teaches because everyone thinks it's just, oh, well, if you know how to teach a squat, you can coach. Bullshit. Yeah. That's, 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 like, that's, that's prerequisite. And the art of personal training was something that was only available circa 2006. And then the group class coach has become the glorified profession. Now we're kind of the mainstream thing via, you know, a la CrossFit. And now you've got guys like me screaming at everybody. You got to have PT first. Like personal training has to exist in your fitness facility. And I literally, this is a truth. I have gym owners tell me, yeah, but I don't have any guys that can do personal training. Like, what do you mean? Like, they're just not available during the hours. Like, no, they, they just know how to do group. And part of me, like I twitch for a second, like I get like a tit twit. I'm like, so you're telling me that you're allowing them to coach 15 individuals, but they can't coach one individual. Like, yeah, they're just not real comfortable. Like, you know what that means? That means they're a dog shit fucking coach. Cause when it's one hour and Sean goes there and says, listen, this Sally's coming in. Sally's a brand new client. Here's her assessment intake. Here's, you know, so you're assessing and not guessing. Here's the things I want done in this session. I want the air squat, the ring row, the kettlebell swing, the burpee and proper rowing mechanics, five movements all covered within the hour. You got that champ and sit back and watches you and if you can't get it done you can't get it done a group coach at best gives everyone 30 to 45 seconds of real personal attention right like real personal coaching you know like it's just one of these things take a group coach and ask them in a one-on-one teach that person how to kip 
today. That's what I want you to do is teach kipping and another, maybe a complicated movement like a snatch. That person will not be happy because they can't slink and hide because, well, the clock was going, I had to hurry up and get class organized or I had to focus on this person. Their attention was focused in one place. And I think personal training will weed out the actually good coaches from the shitty group instructors that are hurting cats. In some ways it does. In some ways it, it also weeds out people who can sell versus people who can't. And sure. The other 100%. Thing, the thing that will weed out good personal trainers from great personal trainers is actually, in my opinion, the opposite of what you just described. It's go teach that person to squat for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just teach them one thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, because it's like, oh, well, they're good. You put substance behind a movement. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, in 10 minutes they were good. So they picked up mastery in 10 minutes Yeah, yeah, yeah. or you missed a boatload of stuff. Which one is it? Yeah, no, I love that. I like, yeah. Can you make this session last an hour just on the fundamentals of the squat? And yes, any trainer worth their chops should be able to do that. Yeah. Can you um, build out a 12 session program around one move? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you want to take this in another weird direction only because again, having you on here, like I, um, I had JJ from Thrivestry. He was on uh, earlier today and I, the topic's, you create a really cool opportunity to talk about something that I don't think a lot of people talk about personal branding. Mm-hmm. That's something like we're talking, we were talking about branding for your gym and all that. I believe the evolution of the fit of what like guys, what you, like you and me will do. I, and I will come back on a podcast, yours or mine in three years and see if I was correct. I think you and me will get into the marketplace of selling individuals coaching on how to develop a personal brand. Once they've created a business that does the thing for them. Right, so you came from this clinician standpoint. You owned a gym. You then sold that business. You went Active Life RX, and now you are scaling this thing up, and you are doing your thing. And in in several years, you're gonna have people coming to you and saying, like, "Oh yeah, you know, I started my PT clinic, my chiropractor, my gym. It's good. Everything's good there." But how did you become you? How did how did how do you get paid? You know, X amount to go speak at this. How do I become a personal brand? Personal brand is a big trendy thing these days. Like, you ask anybody what they want to be, they want to be Instagram famous. Like, have you watched American Meme on Netflix yet? No. Such a good documentary. Just dropped last week. So fucking good. American Meme. Yes. So good. Um, anyway, but like, I think that taking gym owners who have hit, like, hey, man, I'm like you. I don't have to work at the gym. It could be a Thursday and I could stay home all day because I don't have to do anything what do I do next? I want to create my next thing. I think I know what my next thing is. How do I create it? And I think most people who have done brick and mortar never want to do it again. Like the fucking, the, the, it's so much better. And Sean can relate to this, having a, an online business versus a brick and mortar business. It just, well, I think about it at times. I'm like, what am I doing? So here, here's the thing. I'm with you on that. I, I sold my brick and mortar businesses so I could focus online. And oftentimes people will ask me, how, how can you, because I'm already doing a little bit of what you just described. I already have, awesome. I'm, I'm on my third cohort in January of 12 people who will go through personal and professional development program with me uh, in a group. And I have right now, I, I want to keep it at no more than five personal yep. clients who I work with an hour a month. Nice. And the idea is, the biggest question I always get is how are you going to help somebody in an hour a month? Like I, I charge them a thousand dollars and yep. they get a 15 minute phone call every week. And people, how can you justify a thousand dollars for 15 minutes? And I'm like, if I talked to you for 15 minutes and gave you a list of things that you need to do in your business, you wouldn't be ready for your phone call next week. Like yeah. it's, it's not like, it's not about the time. It's about the things that need to be executed on. So sure. but that's already, I'm already doing that. And I agree with you. People want to be Instagram famous. And 
I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know people who have millions of followers on Instagram who can't convert them for a dollar. Oh, no, not at all. I think that's the other thing too, is that, and I think this is a, I'm definitely thinking I'm ripping off the uh, Gary V line on this, but it is more of a, um, a width. Like how, how deep is your following? Like how deep are you in that versus how big is it kind of say depth versus width scenario? Yep. You know, people like, how many followers do you think you need to make six figures? I like, I don't know. How many did I have a year ago? That's how. <laughs> and I don't even, I think I might have 2000 followers on Instagram. I don't even fucking know. I don't even care. Like mm-hmm. you really don't. I think this idea just kind of like, like when I hear people saying a million followers on Instagram, it's, I think of it the same way I hear people say 300 members in my gym. Right. So what do you bet? Like, and I'm just like, you, like I, you don't, it is so quality over quant. It's so, like a thousand times over. Yeah. The, the thing is there's value to having a million great followers as opposed to a thousand great followers. You know, like the rock and his sure. 65 million followers, he's doing better than me than, yeah. you know, out of sheer numbers because that carries, that carries power, but he also knows how to leverage that power. Yeah, so yeah. to me, it's, it's understanding just like in a business, what problem do you solve? Yep. How do you solve it? Why are you uniquely fit to solve it? And who has it? So if you look at somebody like Dan Bilzerian, for example, on Instagram, you know who he is? Fucking like, what? Yeah, of course I do Dan Bilzerian. I have a, I have a tattoo on my back. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if I, um, there's a handful of guys that if I died and came back just as a trial life, I just want to test drive someone's life for like a week. He's up there with that. Sure. And Ty Lopez, who I really, honestly, I can't stand him, but he said it perfectly. He's like, the reason why Dan Bilzerian is great on Instagram is he solves a very clear problem for a very clear population. 18 to 25-year-old men want to have sex with hot women, shoot guns, and have a lot of money. Dan Bilzerian posts hot women on the back of a boat, shooting money out of a gun and firing a machine gun at the money. 100%. he, he embodies that what they want. So the problem he solves is entertainment. And the thing about it is the way he does it is so non-replaceable. Nobody else can do what he can do. Yep. So he solves a problem in a way that is so unique and so attention worthy that you have to look. Yeah. I, I think it's a, one of these amazing things too. Like you look at a K, like someone like Dan Bozier, and he's not selling anything. Now, he, because he's amassed a following, he can then leverage his audience and be a, a, be a, he could do marketing for people, that kind of thing. He do product placement and, and, that, and you know, get branded post deals and all that. For gym owners listening to this, when I was talking about personal branding, I believe you're going to have gym owners. I think the business side of this whole thing is going to get better and better and better while I simultaneously think all the weak to medium level gyms are going to get just fucking crushed in the next recession. They're just going to get oh, eaten yeah. the fuck alive. I think and we're, we're, two, gonna, we're two years away. Yeah. You know what? I'm fucking, I need the, but the next, that's the thing is I, I've had a lot of like the next urban movement location. I want to wait. It's the peak of the market right now. And that's why I want to go ahead and wait for the next fucking recession. So I can buy the other, like at 50% off. Yep. And, but like, and thinking like that too, if you're having a hard time now, gym owners, listen up. If you're having a hard time growing it now, today, where every year the cost of living has gone up because everyone's wages have gone up, everything in the economy has been very, very purdy, and you're having a hard time now, I, 
I don't, I, it's going to be harder. It's only, it's going to get very, very hard for you very, very quick. And like insulating, like I got a, I got a piece of content and the works are now insulating yourself during a recession. I came up in the two in 08 on the back end of 08. I graduated in 09. And, but like, and I, but I didn't have a brick and mortar then. I didn't feel the pain. Like a lot of people cite Glassman's, um, the garage gym article. He wrote part one and part two and citing the industrial warehouse is the best spot to open up a gym. And yes, it has higher, uh, high ceilings. It generally doesn't have any neighbors for the sound. But I think a lot of that, why we saw that actually happen is because after 08, you could get an industrial warehouse and an entire year of free rent and pay nothing because everything had just dropped out. Mm -hmm. But I do, you know, I think people were going to see, yeah, go on. I'm with you on that. And I want to shine some optimism on that same gloomy picture for gym owners, because as soon as like, it's important for you to understand this massive action causes massive change. So if you're hearing this right now and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm scared. Like Stu might be right. What am I going to do? I can't feed my family now. What am I going to do if the recession hits and my family really can't eat? I'm going to have to quit and get a corporate job for a company that made it through and hope I don't get laid off and hope that there's somebody hiring. That's true. <clears throat> but if you change the way that you run your gym today, today, so that you solve a very specific problem, you become recession proof. Because people will still have that problem and they'll still need it solved. Yeah. And you're the only person solving it for them. Yeah. But you have to change. Not worried about it is. Who's not worried about the recession? Uh, Doctors and uh, funeral homes. They're not worried about the recession, right? Now, in the fitness industry, I look at beauty and personal improvement very close to recession-proof. Salons and fitness industry have shown to still uptick. And if you go back and look at it, you can see there's still upticks in 08, 07, 06, even back in 01, um, there are still upticks in a recession. So I'm, again, I, I don't want anyone to think doomsday, but here's what I would recommend. Any changes anyone that's listening to this needs to make in their business will not happen in six months. They might get really get some steam in 12. I bet you it, it for most real changes, like to hire that full-time person, develop them, to develop your PT first, to get an assess, not guess kind of intake process so you can actually stand apart from others in your market. Two years is what you need to fully see something all the way through on average, any of these systems, like two full years to install it, fuck it up a bunch of times, get it better. So move now, guys. Whatever it is you're thinking of fixing, like you don't actually have two years. You need to get that shit working and on on the way now because in two years or even another year, it's going to be too late to start the process. And and the other thing is I think the gym owners out there have the mindset of I couldn't possibly make – $50,000 a month in my gym. That's crazy. We're brick and mortar. We charge $150 a month. If that's the kind of thought that you have, then you're not even going to get to half of that. That that, that has to be the goal. $50,000, $100,000 a month in your facility. Now, you might be asking yourself, how would I ever get to that? And that's the perfect first question. Ask yourself that question. And then the answer is going to seem unreal. Well, I'd have to do... 50 training sessions a week as a gym at $80 a set or whatever it would be. Cool. Okay. How would you do that? Well, I'd have to have 10 trainers doing five sessions or five doing 10 and blah, blah, blah. Cool. How would you get that? And keep working your how back until it lands at, I need to develop a trainer. Yeah. That's it. And this is why, and again, I don't like personal branding or side hustles, whatever you, you know, 
whatever you'd call these things where people are utilizing, leveraging the internet to make money based on the success they've had of a previous business that might have been brick and mortar, like what you and me have done. That's one of the things where when I was saying, let's go back to this, when I was saying, hey, I think that some of you and me are in, and other people who have done this well are going to really be able to leverage is because when the bottom falls out and things like brick and mortar get really expensive, businesses like this, even though there's maybe less cash in the system, these still stay very, very viable because they don't cost anything to run for the most. They're very, very, you know, they're very lean businesses. And I see gym owners and like, I think digital is a huge opportunity for a lot of people. It is, but they have, they have to master what they're doing first. And, and this yes. is what I, I see. I see a lot of mistakes from gyms who are trying to just sell programs and do, and do all this stuff online. Your, your gym isn't working. Like, get yep. your gym right and do it really, really well. And here's the, and this is, this might come as something people don't want to hear. A big part oh, of the reason why, say it. Yeah, well, a big part of the reason why I got out of my gym is I fired myself. I knew what it would take to get my gym to where I wanted my gym to go. And I was not willing to do that amount of work. So instead of staying in a gym that was going to be, in my mind, average, I got out. And I said, I am willing to put in that work for this other thing. So I pursued it fully. But I, I fired, make no mistake, I fired myself from my gym because I wasn't willing to do the work it would take for my gym to be successful. If you look in the mirror right now and you're like, I'm not willing to do the things that Sean and Stu are saying, sell your gym and get out. Yeah, and do it now when it probably when still isn't worth bad. anything, but yeah. Whatever, give yourself, give yourself a four-month buffer. Let somebody yeah. buy the equipment from you at an amateurized price and move on. Yeah. It's uh, I, I, my outlook on for the micro gym industry is still really good, even though, you know, recession or not, or whether I think the bottom half is going to drop out or whatever it may be. I definitely think everyone's, and I mentioned this on your podcast. I went back and listened to tidbits of our last one. Cause I wanted to make sure that our, our flow in the conversation was obviously different. And it was um, a lot, you know, I remember I said on that podcast was that I, everything, everyone's getting better. Like the training has been getting better for a while because we have people like you out there helping people better on, you know, actually putting their hands on and working with people. And I think the business side is getting better as well. You have some of the best champions and all that out there, the Coops and the Kaleeps and all, all these guys out there, just everyone, it's the voice is getting louder of business reason, whether whatever school that you subscribe to as far as that goes. What would you still say? Because you get to walk into a lot of brick and mortar gyms like I do. And even when you walk in and you interact with that gym owner, so if I walk into someone's gym, if I'm not dropping in and visiting somewhere, it's because they want me there. For you, they want you there. You're there maybe hosting a course or one of your seminars or something like that. Do you, what things do you still pick up on that? Obviously, you're not calling them out maybe and addressing it right then and there, but you look around and you're like, fuck, you're still doing it this way? Like, what are you doing? What are some of those things you still think are the laggards that maybe are listening to this could identify as, oh, shit, he's talking about me. I need to fix that. I mean, I really think that the biggest thing is that forgetting about the fact that your bathrooms might be dirty and that your floor might have dog hair on it and that you're still using a mop and a bucket instead of a floor scrubber. Um, those, those should be obvious. Yeah. The biggest thing that I'm seeing is that gym owners are underpricing themselves and they only have one source of revenue and it's membership and it's not expensive enough. So there, does it blow you away? People have the same pricing they had in like 2015. Like well, with the, how as good as the economy's been. Well, well, here's the thing. The reason why a lot of people open CrossFit gyms is because they don't want to be the corporate gym and they don't want to be in the corporate environment. Well, the value of the corporate environment is that the Equinox that cost $135 in 2014 
is now 180. And they know how to do that. When you open your local gym, you feel like everyone becomes your friends and you don't want to raise prices on them. And I get that. I was there. I had that same problem myself. If you don't get over that, you can't afford to stay open. Now, and you know that because you're feeling it. The other thing is, I believe that there's a, a true yet misconception about CrossFit gyms. And that is that they're dangerous and people who go to them get hurt. I think that that is such a tidal wave that gym owners are fighting that they may not even realize. It's like the person who comes every night and like steals $5 from your house and in a year they've stolen 1500 whatever the math is, right? Yeah. For 10 years they've stolen 20. Eventually you have no money left because this person slowly took all of it. And I don't think gym owners realize how bad the perception is that people get hurt when they do CrossFit. So, it's, so here's a great way. When you said that $5 thing, so I'll ask gym owners, like back in 2013, 14, were you having a lot more organic leads? They're like, yeah. I was like, that's kind of like the peak I think a lot of gym owners saw was really around 2014. Like people were just beating down the doors. Groupon had kind of come onto the scene, you know, two years previously and all that stuff. Like awareness was around. However, would you say your organic reach has dropped off? Like, yeah, that fucking Facebook algorithm. Like, no, it's not not the Facebook (laughs) algorithm. It's it's the fact that branding, good or bad, happens. And like I tell people, the number one thing that's preventing you from making more money right now is the fact that one – Sally couldn't get her girlfriend to come with her to your group class. If you ever sit down and actually interview the psyche of women who go to group classes, this is the conversation. I really want to check this out. Will you go with me? I don't want to go by myself. I'm busy. I can't go. And then Sally never makes it in because she couldn't find someone to go with her. Everyone listening to this, you, you should be seeing three to 10 more people extra per week but you're not because that person who is interested couldn't get their friend to go. So there's like a companion group fitness is nervous kind of thing. That's why I think PT first is such a great thing. People should be yelling. So it'll be like, Hey, you don't need to like, we're going to start you off privately one-on-one. So you'll be okay. And the second thing is that we won't get you injured. Like that's how I pitch urban movement. I still, I position it. It's like CrossFit, but you won't get injured. And it's like orange theory, but you won't get bored. How's that sound? Yeah, that's perfect. And, and that's for us an active life. That's, that's the only, it's not the only, but it's the most important problem that we solve for gyms. Mm-hmm. Like if it, even, and I'm not, I'm not taking away from what you do at Urban Movement. If I said to you, how are you going to make sure I don't get injured? Because you're a good business person and you're a good trainer. I imagine you have a script that you're going to tell me. How, how do you make yeah. sure I don't get injured? Yeah. Like I can't guarantee that. Right. But, but, but how are you going to do it? Oh, how am I going to guarantee you don't get injured? Yeah. Well, how, like how, how, how are you going to get but you tell people yeah. that you're not going to get hurt when you come here. How do you know? Like, what are you going to do that's different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if someone's – oh, so someone's positioning me like, okay, what is different? Like, very, very simply, you will not be performing over – you will not be performing movements where the risk reward does not lie in your favor. And, I, and I'll give an example. Any kind of kipping, any kind of overhead squat, a snatch, or heavy lifting of a barbell, we have removed from the program. Right. So, so, and that's good. Can you just as well hurt yourself using anything else? Yes. But I try to tie the fear of the object, which is a barbell. When people think getting injured in CrossFit, that's what they're thinking of. Yes. You and me are thinking probably more a kip or a pull up in a lot of scenarios, like, you know, that the deeper understanding of it. But yeah, I'll try to remove the piece of equipment that they're probably associating injury with. Right. And, and, and that works, I'm sure. What we like to teach gyms that we work with is you, you don't just tell them that they're not going to get hurt. You tell them you're not going to get hurt here because. 
and then go into the process of what you've learned from us that makes sure people are way less likely to get hurt. Everybody who comes in here starts with a movement assessment to make sure that we're only doing movements that you're able to control. Most injuries happen when people are out of control and they can't slow things down. That's not gonna happen to you. Secondly, everybody here starts with one-on-one -on -one because we wanna make sure that we've taught you the appropriate skills before we ask you to go practice them in a class environment. You know, you don't get to be, I don't know, Mariano Rivera without practicing before you go into the game. Thirdly, we're going very to- Very New York reference, very New York yeah, reference. I, I'm from a Met fan, what was I doing? <laughs> you know, so, but I mean, all the Met fan, all the, all the great Mets have been cokeheads, so I couldn't. <laughs> so, you know, and then it's like, you're not gonna be doing things that are too heavy for you where your technique breaks down because sure. that's not what we're about here. And some yep. people in class will be doing single leg stuff. Others will be doing two leg stuff, depending on how your assessment turns out. And we're doing the assessments all the time. That can ease somebody's fear about being in a CrossFit gym. But you can't say that unless you're doing it. And you can't do it unless you know how to do it effectively. And you can't learn how to do it effectively unless you've looked it up or been taught. Have you guys with Active Life RX been able to create example content for the gyms you're working with or that subscribe to you guys. But hey, listen, you're trying to tell this story how we, you now have this assess, not guess kind of protocol. So when people come in, they can about, they can get, leave the fear of injury at the door when they come in. Here's a great video that we've created. You guys essentially can buy it from us, lease it from us, whatever, put your logo on it. Like, or here's how we'd recommend framing up and scripting up a video like that that would help get that across. So we haven't done that yet because we're revamping our coach services. So okay. in 2019, all of that stuff is coming. In That's 2019, awesome. we are, we've totally upgraded our coach program. So our coach program is going to go from being just follow as you go modules to follow as you go modules, the opportunity to distribute our bulletproof programs and corrective action programs to your members. If anything ever does go wrong with them, as well as daily GPP with lesson plans in our in our vein. So doing it the way that we would do it in our classes with the right amount of loading ratios, the right amount of volume, all RPE based, no RX weights. Yeah. Um, on top of that, they're all going to get a phone call, a video call once a month as a group with my director of staff to discuss any problems that they might be facing in their gym with membership aches and pains that they can put questions ahead of time. And he will go over all of the questions as yeah. a group with my business partner who's going to talk to them about how to monetize multiple verticals inside and outside of their gym, how to use email to actually drive people to come into your gym as opposed to just sending out the newsletter that Wattify gives you to use. I don't even know if Wattify does that, but I, they're, they're the name that came to my mind. And then a call with me every month to talk about what is the vision of your business? What is the, the 10,000 foot view? What are you trying to accomplish? What problem do you solve? How do you solve it? What does your messaging look like? What is your branding? Yep. And so once that's all out, and that's only going to be 99 bucks a month, but once that's out in 2019, we'll start to build out those video scripts and things like that for people who want to be able to make it their own in-house. What are you using for your LMS, your learning module system? Are you using like a Teachery or Kajabi? Like what, do, what, are, you, what are, you, are you guys doing it all in-house, like custom build, or is it going to be you guys so, using an online service? Right now it's custom build in-house because we have a really robust IT backend. Um, that's awesome. But we are probably going to be partnering with a company that's actually in your backyard that you should be going to talk to called LearnLoft. They're in Charlotte or somewhere in North Carolina? Yep. Awesome. LearnLoft? LearnLoft. So basically they, um, they allow you to build out educational modules, put it right onto their platform, including tests, quizzes, yeah. essays, 
and, and it lets you know this person did it. This is the score they got. These are the questions they got wrong. This is how long they were on this page for. It's very, very, very yeah. simple. That's honestly, that was one of my hardest thing when I decided for Microgym University and you know, this is what we call for, this is what you call the infopreneur, right? Like this kind of guy. And you generally see this with like the social media guy. Like if you buy my ebook and my seven courses, I'll make you a social media millionaire. And I, I just always hated that connotation. But when I realized the scalability of knowledge like that, just like, you, you know, you guys have is creating something that is, um, not in-person required, something someone consume and still have a, a touch of in-person, but literally I could teach, someone doesn't need to talk to me in person to learn how to conduct a successful price raise, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was just one of those things I had a hard time with was like committing to this infopreneur kind of thing. I just had this negative connotation with it. Have you always been good with that? Or did you have that similar issue or was that just something you knew was part no, of I, the path? I totally had that similar issue because I'm all, I'm all about high touch. The thing about our company yeah. is we're not going to deal with computers. You're going to deal with people. In all yeah. specs, you know, even if you just buy a template, you're going to get support from our staff members. Now, the other thing is, you're right, people don't need to speak to you to, to figure out how to raise their prices, but people will need to speak to you to get validation that they're doing it the right way. Yep. And, and, and because every template even probably needs a little bit of tweaking from that gym or that certain thing. And, and at least they want some, they have some questions on it. That's, I've never been a fan of selling systems. That's one of the things like, Hey guys can subscribe to the, whatever, what the fuck gym talk system. And this is how all these systems work and whatever together. Cause I I've seen PT first work. I've seen gyms that are, that are volume based that don't do PT first. I've seen that work. Like I can't sit there and say that it has to be this one specific Tetris block way. Now, if it's this way, you can't, I don't think you can put mix and match everything together, but I don't think it'll run congruently. And there's certain things that will fit in certain spots and you know, then you get some things that are round pegs and square holes, but I've never been a huge for business, at least like set. It has to be this way systems. Cause I, I, there's exceptions to the rule every time. But that was one of the things I thought was hardest for me on this infopreneur thing was just, fuck, I just, I need to still be able to tailor this a little. But here's the thing, and I'm with you. There's no way to make a good song, right? There's no, there's no, there's no rule that says this is a good song. Yep. But there is your baseline. Like you need to have instruments. Yep. You know, there needs to be a, there needs to be a hook and I should stop talking there because I'm not musical at all. But the, but the idea is, there are bases that every program needs to have. And now, you know, when I work with the gym, if they're like, I don't want to do personal training first, I'll say to them, awesome. You don't have to, I don't know how to help you a different way though. And, yeah. and so I'm probably the wrong person for you. And, and that's when I would refer them to somebody like you. Because right? sure. again, I'm not in the, let me grow gyms all day, every day. But the gyms sure. who I do work with, they get results because I'm only going to take you if I know I can help you. Yeah. And that's the same with, with, with anyone that we work with. Do you look at guys like what we're doing with this online education is that we're slowly going to crumble the American uh, university system, the college system? I hope so. I, I do. I completely see like literally like that's where micro gym university came from. Cause I literally just was that I was an exercise physiology major. I don't think I took any business courses and this just wasn't anything available. And in a YouTube world, me and my wife, literally we watch YouTube and Netflix. That's it. Like that's where we get it. And this, I keep telling my wife, we're not sending this kid to school. She's going to go to YouTube you or whatever the fuck's <laughs> going to be around. But it's just one of these things. I just think like, man, it like in 10 to in 10, in 25 years to 50 years, 
is that what is like, is the best learning, like going, doing a masterclass or fucking, you know, stuff like this online courses and all that with whoever you subscribe to. That's the best base, but the best learning is going to be doing it. It'll yeah. always be the same. The best learning now is doing it. Like I didn't learn anything about entrepreneurship in college, except these are going to be good people to stay friends with long-term. Sure. You yeah. learn by actually having a thing and selling the thing and then doing that a bunch of times. Yeah, learn by actually opening a gym, doing a terrible job, and then doing it again, and then doing it yeah. again, and then looking, and then and then within it being like, oh, I got to make this change, and doing it the wrong way, and being like, well, I'm not going to close because I'm because I'm not a quitter, but we got to do some stuff to pick this thing back up, and that's 100%. how I learned. Another thing I want to pick your brain on. This is something this is, that I've been I've been harping on, and I have got some content I want to put out and get your opinion. Gym owners who make a statement that I've, I've got a competitive culture. There's a note of competitiveness in my gym. And maybe it stemmed from when we started back in the day, but I don't like it. It's kind of conflicting with what I want now. I've kind of matured in my, my micro gym ownership, but I, I've got this competitive thing. Yet they still refer to every member as an athlete. They still refer to every workout as training. For five weeks out of the year, there'll be a focus on the March Madness of the sport of fitness, which is the Open. And they will have everyone go and meet at a local bar that they rented out the top loft of to watch the games in July, but they don't, but they're upset that they have a competitive culture in their gym. What are your thoughts on, on coaches, I'm sorry, gym owners in the CrossFit industry utilizing vernacular like athlete and training in it with, with ever with their people? Is that appropriate? It doesn't matter who gives a shit. Yes. No, I don't, honestly, I don't mind it. As long as you define it, you know, so, I mean, Bill Bowerman, the owner of the, one of the founders of Nike says, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Yep. Yeah. So, Very so, Nike. Yes. Yes. Right. So, so I'm totally down with using that kind of phrase as long as you tie it to something more important, you know, like you're an occupational athlete. Are you an athlete? Yeah. You're a garbage man. You pick up the trash, you throw it into the truck. You're an athlete. Are you an athlete? You sit at a desk all day. Yeah, you are. You're a mental athlete. Right? You have to think, yeah. you have to do things. And, and I don't mind them calling people athletes because I think that there's, a, there's an empowering connotation to it. Now, that being said, being an athlete and being a competitive athlete are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Like I still consider I think myself- that's where, I think that's where it gets blurred. Sure. But if you're, if you, personally, I prefer student. That's, that's what I like. Yeah, I like that. Because then it, then it connotates you're coming to school. And yeah. you know we're slowing down because you're in school and you don't know how to do that. So of course we're slowing down. It's my goal to teach you. It's your goal to learn. That's why my goal is to teach you because your goal is to learn. So I don't mind the phrases, but I absolutely see the need for a much higher level of communication if you're going to use them. Yeah. I, I guess where my biggest like headbutt with this entire thing is, is the idea of the word athlete. And I do think of the people, like when I think of athletes, especially the sport of fitness, I think we both agree the sport of fitness has evolved, but it is still nothing compared to where it will be as an actual sport from dollars made to presence globally or whatever the fuck it may be. Uh, I think it's going to be nothing. Yeah. So you think it's going to, yeah. You think it's going to implode? Yeah. Like it's going to, it's going to go grid MPGL. Yes. Okay. And look, I have a lot of friends who will be mad at me for saying this. I don't, I don't see a bright future for this. Yeah. So the sport of fitness, like the CrossFit sport of fitness, I think, I, I think it goes big as long as CrossFit wants it to stay big. 
Cause sure. that's the only funding into it. Like the sponsorships and shit, you know, they were talking about, it was a break even play, even at the games kind of scenario. But I guess where like the athlete conversation for me always begins is somebody who has a nine to five job. They work at bank of America. They come to four CrossFit classes a week. They have a gym bag with $300 worth of belts, knee sleeves, fucking two different shoes and jump ropes. And they're an athlete. And then I think about the person who is literally, literally, they don't have a, they literally gave up their job at Bank of America to go and train nine to five because that is their job. And they have this one sliver, 0.001% to make it. And I just feel almost like it's insulting to, to call, like, we're both athletes. Well, I did a super fit competition one time in Virginia. And this other person's there like, this is my do or die. If this doesn't work, I, you know, I'll go back to my normal life, but a hundred percent's going into this. I look like the guys that are borderline games athletes and they think you can't have a nine to five job and be a CrossFit games athlete. Not anymore. So when someone who does have the nine to five job and still wants to get tacos with their girls on the weekend and go on that bachelorette party seven times a year and still just, oh, yeah, I'm an athlete. No, you, you, you're right. It, yeah. it, it makes it harder. And, and, you know, like I had a conversation with my wife before we got married. I'm an athlete. I'll always be an athlete. That means I want to have a night off during the week that I'm going to play sports my entire life. Yeah. Now, I don't do that. What do you play? Nothing anymore. But that, <laughs> that's, I mean, that, uh, to be honest with you, it's, it's in part because I've evolved as a human and I'm no you're longer a business as an athlete now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I also like, I'm so disgustingly competitive that I, I don't enjoy pickup sports. I like I, my last pickup basketball game ended up with me in a, in a throwing fists at a friend of mine because <laughs> I, was, I was so tired of like, stop fouling me. There's no ref. I don't get free throws. I don't want the ball at the top. I want you to stop <laughs> pushing me right when I have the ball. So, um, but, but that, that aside, like I, I told, I'll always be an athlete. That doesn't mean I'm always going to be a, a competitive baseball player. Yeah. Right. And I, but I get it. Like you're not I think gonna, it's specifically the CrossFit micro, the CrossFit affiliate, the word athlete, it gets this competitive culture, which creates a click and the need for, well, Dave Castro took a picture of this piece of equipment. Why don't we have 10 of them today? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. It gets, you know, that's because that's because baseball players, basketball players, football players, hockey players, CrossFit athletes, that's where the problem comes. It's the vernacular at the top. If they were CrossFit players, no one would care if you call them athletes at the gym. But they're, they're not. That sounds like someone that just goes around the different CrossFit gyms banging all the hot chicks. Right, right. right. <laughs> exactly. But you're like, oh, he's a professional fighter. You can be a fighter and not be a professional fighter. Yeah, yeah. As soon as that professional comes off, it's like, yeah, like I, I train fighting. Oh, yeah. That's like, like I'm going to go golf but they know I'm not in the PGA. Like, that's where I think like, that's what like my hope would be for everyone who is an aspiring person in this sport is that the sport does evolve for them so that there could be like, again, getting your pro card and bodybuilding is a big deal. Like mm -hmm. anyone can say I'm a bodybuilder, but like saying you have your pro card is that's the difference, right? And but, but, right but, but, but here's, here's the real thing, right? Name the top 10 bodybuilders in the world. Uh, Ronnie Coleman. Uh, if Jay, right. is Jay Cutler alive? But, but that's um, the point, right? So yeah, yeah. sure. If, if CrossFit's best case scenario is being bodybuilding, they have a problem. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And again, it's like any other sport. It, it's going to, it, again, you look at baseball or anything else or BMX is probably another good one. Um, fucking X games, shit like that. It's right. got it. It's got, yeah, it's got crazy evolution. The X games is still nowhere near any other fucking sport. Uh, it was a, a, 
Yeah, and PBR, professional bull riding. JJ uh, with Rivastry just would drop that bit of knowledge on me that bull riding, professional bull riding is one of the top eight most watched sports out there. Something crazy like that. It's like and you wouldn't even think about it. And you'd think like bull riding, that's got plenty of room for improvement. And it probably still does. <laughs> But yeah, that, that athlete thing is just one of the ones that's been, it's just interesting um, as far as vernacular and all that. And ultimately, I don't care unless you tell me you have a competitive gym culture that is, that is becoming kind of poisonous and negative to business. Then yeah, I think, I think you perpetuate it with certain vernacular and celebrating certain five week events that happen one time a year and don't mean anything to anybody. See, I think that the bigger problem is calling yourself a CrossFit gym. I don't mind you keeping your affiliate. But if you put, if you're, if the name of your gym is CrossFit Charlotte, then the person who thinks they know what you do based on the name of your facility yeah. isn't coming. If you're CrossFit, Correct. if you're CrossFit Charlotte online, right? Like on the affiliate map only, and your redirect comes from charlotteathletics.com, for example, and that's not a good name either. Um, well, then you get to have the conversation. You control the dialogue. What goes yeah. on here? As opposed to, oh, I know what goes on here. Squat clean thrusters and kipping pull-ups. Yeah, it gives you a new narrative. Right. New narrative, that's all. Yeah, that's like I, I've made all this content about removing the rig just because I, I was able to figure out by literally observation and talking to people that that's the first thing they identify. They saw the rig, and that's why when they were in our, our Wi-Fi co-op working space, they look in there, and they're like, oh, it's a CrossFit gym. And then I step in, I'm like, hey, I didn't mean to eavesdrop on you, but why, why did you think that is? And like, you got that big blue, you know, the pull-up rig. I'm like, fuck. And I hear that for two years. So I'm like, we got to remove the rape. We got to pull it. And, um, and that, that becomes the big thing is, you know, things are iconically CrossFit. That's how big the brand is. You put a rower next to a barbell and you ask a hundred people, what fitness program is that? You'll probably get a 60% CrossFit answer. Anyone who knows what CrossFit is, you're going to get a hundred percent CrossFit. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. hundred percent. And so it's, it's, it's hard now because you'll never outbrand CrossFit on certain pieces of equipment. Like if you've got dumbbells and barbells and plyo boxes, someone might confuse you, but there are companies that are using equipment that is iconically CrossFit, but the outward branding of what they've created is so antithesis to CrossFit, it will and can work. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's a lot, a lot of cool things to come. And I, I, I definitely, you're one of those guys I want to keep picking the brain of and talking shop with, because I think you, you see a lot of it. And I think people, there are a lot of guys that see the trends and I get that whole business element, even the out, like me doing business, business, you doing this different element of business with the other features and stuff that they do. I just think more guys doing stuff like this, which gets kind of into the personal branding and coming up with these old side hustles. It, it all is just going to further the likelihood of all of us still being around and something like cross, which I don't want to see it go down. Um, well, but I, I don't think, see it. I, don't, I mean, I don't either. I think that the thing is, though, too many people are not getting what they need to get out of their primary hustle. So they're yeah. starting a side hustle. And it's like a sidecar doesn't work on a motorcycle if the front Correct, wheel yeah. isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Don't create a business unless you actually made a, a business the first time and you're able to walk away from it kind of scenario. I got you. Sean, if anyone is interested in, in what do you have going on? I know we would like your immersion program. I know you have some things going on. Please, where, how can they find you? What, what can they get involved in? What are you doing differently in 2019? So somebody asked me earlier today, just on, on Instagram, they just sent a random message. Hey, so what, what, what do you guys offer? That was the message. And I wrote back, freedom. We offer freedom to coaches to be professional and to earn the living that they deserve and live the life that that living affords them. Yeah, and hashtag turn pro. I love it. That's it. And we afford individuals the ability to live a pain-free life with certainty around why their pain is coming, how to get rid of it, and what to do. 
So that's what we do. So if you're a coach out there who's looking to be able to provide that kind of service for your clients and you want to make a professional income, I'm talking about a six-figure income, take our coach immersion course. Come learn how to provide a service that bridges the gap between coaching and being a doctor. That's what that course does. It keeps people out of the doctor's office who don't need to be there and makes you the person who saves the day. And it allows you to do that in way less time than coaching would. The second thing is come to one of our courses. We teach in depth how to know that you're seeing what you think you're seeing. Those are our workshops. We have six workshops already scheduled, one of closer to eight or nine this year. And if you're a person who's experiencing that annoying shoulder pain, knee pain, back pain you've had forever, and you just think you have to deal with it, well, come find us and we'll help you take care of that with some one-on-one coaching or a template. Fucking amen. Dr. Sean Pastuche, I, uh, I appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll be talking soon, brother. My pleasure, man.